Groups Summer School, Monday morning, 30th May 1983. You may recollect that on Saturday evening I mentioned joy and <coughs> creative renewal as being associated with that joy. That that joy emerges out of creative renewal. But this joy has nothing to do with sensational delight <coughs> or pleasure seeking. Because whatsoever belongs to the transcendent context can never be sought for the very simple reason that it is something which is beyond our ordinary ken. And we function here and live here in terms of what comes within our ordinary ken. We may form ideas about it, we may talk about it, think about it, but those are mere ideas and talk and thoughts. They are not the reality, although they might Sometimes they can suggest that reality. Suggest it not to our brains, but by touching our inner consciousness. And this inner consciousness is a mystery. The innermost depth of consciousness in us is that which directly touches transcendence itself. And because of that touch, what belongs to the transcendent realm in terms of joy, bliss, the bliss and the, the peaceful state, can, so to say, percolate down to us here in our ordinary everyday state. And this spells a creative renewal. A renewal of what? Not a renewal of what, uh, of that which we already are and the way in which we already carry on, but a renewal which is of the nature of a complete and sudden transformation a total transformation of the inner being altogether. Now you see, we, what we know, we know in terms of the activity of our senses and our brains. We form ideas, we have conceptions, and we spin cobwebs of beliefs and thoughts and so forth. But they really obstruct that transcendence. They tend to prevent the direct touch, 
the, as we say in uh, religious teaching, this direct seeing of the truth of the reality. Because that which is manifest in the world of things and affairs is something which is a constriction, a limitation of that which is the ultimately real and the source of being, the source of things, the source of the whole universe as such. You remember how Warren Kenton uh, yesterday spoke about God making existence the mirror in which to see himself. That is a very uh, neat way of putting it. But in making the mirror to see himself, the image which is formed is not the reality. What you see in the mirror is not the actuality. The actuality is something different. And it is this which is something different which cannot be sought for the very simple... Uh, consider the analogy again of the mirror and the image. The image cannot seek the person who is looking in the mirror. The person who is looking in the mirror can come closer and closer to that mirror until he bumps his nose into it and imagine everything disappears in consequence. So you see, this is, this, the existential being is like the image. It is not, the analogy mustn't be carried too far because the existential being the psychophysical organism as such and all its functioning is actually transcendence embodied. It is transcendence which has become constricted. If you take, uh, if you consider the scientific fact that the entire universe is the concretized expression of the ultimate energy what that ultimate energy is, science itself doesn't know. It still asks the question. And it, it's beginning to, the most modern scientists are beginning to see that whilst they can ask the question, there is no answer possible to it in terms of, uh, uh, in, in such terms as we, constituted as we are, and with our particular faculties could ever understand. We, it will always be a mystery. The more science has tried to penetrate into the origin of things, of the, of the manifested universe, the deeper the mystery becomes. Quantum mechanics, for example, has completely overthrown all the old, old concepts of classical physics. And this new world is something which is, is a tremendous mystery as such. So now in the same way, in connection with our being as such, 
all, uh, but, 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 but yes, uh, we mustn't miss this point. Uh, but the fact remains that the universe of things of manifestation is the concretization of primordial energy. There is no escaping that fact. That it is energy, pure energy itself, which, of which we know the secondary forms, or tertiary forms as the case may be, electricity, magnetism, heat, light, uh, mechanical energy, chemical energy, all these different energies are the secondary forms of the ultimate energy in itself, which is nondescript, which cannot be, uh, which cannot be uh, put to the test, which we cannot exam examine under a microscope or telescope or any instruments which we have made. See. Similarly, transcendence concretizes, and in that concretization there emerge all the grades of being and manifestation, so many grades which are quite, quite outside the ken of mortals and will remain outside the ken of all mortals until um, that change has taken place through the evolutionary process by which creatures will come into being something, something more marvelous than uh, the human species which will be able to sense those profounder and profounder grades. We can talk like this but what I am saying may be complete nonsense or there may be perhaps just some chink of light hidden in it. It is possible through the, through the dissolution of our selfness, particularly in this clinging to the idea of oneself as the subject who is the onlooker. When we are free of that, then there comes into being an inner silence, a tremendous inner silence, which produces a peculiar effect. And that effect upon the psychophysical organism may sometimes, as it has done through the millennia, in, in uh, exceptional cases, work itself out in terms of concept and word as we understand concept and word. And so our concepts and words can be just suggestive of that transcendent reality. But we must never try to give shape to it, to give form to it. It is very easy to produce wonderful clear-cut systems like that. But all those systems, whilst they are stimulating, they are intellectually exciting and so forth, we must not mistake them for this ultimate reality, this source which became us and uh, which, is the, uh, which is the power which uh, not impels so much as attracts us back to itself. And in that is the fulfillment and liberation of man as such. 
So these things must not be sought, cannot be sought. There is no harm in trying to seek it because the time will come when, uh, because all our seeking is in space and time and in terms of the material, the objective and so forth, there will come the time when we'll get tired of the seeking. And then we'll say, oh, well, I give it up. Just let it be. What is it? Let be what is. And the what is will then smile upon us and say, all right, this is what is. And there, in that single moment, comes the sort of flash of revelation. Revelation can never be put into words. It's the speech of transcendence. Transcendence speaks with the tongue of revelation. And that is something which is completely beyond all thinking, feeling, speaking, and so forth or representing. Remember the word representing is re-presenting in terms of uh, pictures or statues or art or science or philosophy or anything. And yet all these things which we do in our sphere could, could have that something in them through their purification which enables this curious touch with our innermost consciousness with the ultimate reality. So you see, the whole thing boils down again to what the great teachers have always taught as something specific that we human beings can do. And that is to carry out the task of purification. The purification, again, is something which must not be formulated too much. Formulated to the least possible extent. Because every formulation is uh, a fossilization when it, when it goes uh, too far. You have to be elastic, very elastic. Uh, you know, the body has, the healthy body has plenty of elasticity to it. But the psychological elasticity that is required of us is something immensely greater and profounder than the physical elasticity of the organism. The mind must, uh, we must be completely open, uh, attentive, with a total openness to everything. With that total openness, we do not obstruct that which uh, comes to us as a stimulus uh, by our particular ideas, our thoughts and uh, conceptions and so on. This utter freedom from all psychological restraint, from all psychological control. And yet, there is this element of control brought into existence by the fact that there are certain simple essentials that we have to observe. 
or shall we say try to observe they are the simple moralities all the great if you look at all the great religions what essentially do they tell us to do as we might say what am I to do about it everybody asks how do I get along and so forth be harmless it sounds simple oh well that's easy I don't want to hit anybody or or squash the next fly or <laughs> you see that is not all of it that may be just uh, a tenth part of the letter A of the whole alphabet of harmlessness if you watch if you watch carefully the inner process that goes on it's, it's, it's terrible subtlety and the way we get deceived all the time uh, with what is happening inside our own brains we will discover that we are far from harmless it's one of the most all these simple uh, simple virtues are the most difficult to fulfill this is why psychologically uh, it is very wise to start what is called the negative way the positive way is the, to say oh love your neighbor as yourself how on earth are you going to love your neighbor as yourself it implies for one thing to love yourself do I love myself can I love myself no ordinarily I can't I don't know myself I dislike things in myself I'd like to smash up things in myself get rid of things in myself and so forth but are, are all those acts of harmlessness? Can I, can I accept the whole of myself as I am psychophysically? Can I accept the whole of myself and the whole of my living process and like the house lord who is uh, the dominus the lord of the house protect nurture sustain and heal all that happens inside this house which is the psychophysical organism myself can I do that I get impatient with myself angry with myself I criticize myself I praise myself get conceited and so forth and so forth but all these acts, all these processes are not exactly harmless processes. So, how do I love myself? C consider again, I demand so much from myself. Oh, I've got to uh, observe such and such a standard and behave and act in such and such a way. It's not done to 
uh, think or speak or do thus and thus and thus. Alright, it is not done to do, think and speak and do thus and thus. But how should I think and speak and do? I don't quite know. So I repress, suppress, beat down that which I said, uh, say I should not uh, do or speak or think thus and thus. But that's not harmlessness, is it? That's not loving yourself. You can't, you can't directly, positively love. Because love in its reality, like truth, or beauty, or goodness, or purity, is something which is essentially of a transcendent nature. And unless and until this sense of transcendence begins to stir inside me, to wake inside me, I can't do anything about it. I can't become virtuous. Sounds, sounds as if the whole business is so hopeful. Let's pack up our traps and go home and enjoy life. One might be inclined to say. But no, wait a minute. Supposing I let myself just be, be quiet. Let the psych psychological turmoil calm down. Look at, look at what a, what a, look, see what a wonderful teacher we have in the English weather. Days and days of rain and this and that and the other and so forth. Storms. What happens to them all? They cease. I can't do anything about them. Nor can you, can you? You can't control the movement of the clouds and this and that and the deep depressions and so forth which come over the Atlantic or from the continent. And you can't do anything about it. You just have to let be. Let be and observe. It will change in course of time. And in letting be and observing quietly, there is liberated an ex a strange sort of energy, which in the ordinary way we know nothing about. It's an energy which pacifies the whole situation. And it brings peace and quiet and inner silence which is full of song, not of cacophony. This is the extraordinary part of it. Now, so much uh, from the side of virtue and its activity and so forth. But there is another, another aspect which is essential if virtue is to function. And here we will come across an extraordinary something. We can let be if we truly respect the organism, if we truly respect that which belongs to the finite, the temporal and the perishable, the mortal truly respect it, 
to start with. And in that respect, re respect for the finite and, and the mortal, there will gradually emerge, through that respect, there will gradually emerge a, a sense of the marvel, the awe of the transcendent. What in some religions has been called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord has nothing to do with fear as we know it in terms of fear of daddy giving me a thorough good spanking for misbehaving or the schoolmaster or the judge in the court sentencing me or anything. It's not that kind of fear at all. This fear is a peculiar happy sort of apprehensiveness. An apprehensiveness. My goodness, what's going to happen? You, you are in a, in a sense, you are tremulous, but you don't turn tail and fly away. You don't flee from this. This lion, this elephant, this tremendous monster is none other than transcendence itself. First making you afraid. And then you suddenly discover that it, it actually is the everlasting arms underneath, sustaining, nurturing, protecting you. And then there springs up, in its own extraordinary way, the love of the transcendent. Respect the organism and it brings forth the love of transcendence. When that love of the transcendent is there, then the love of the self, oneself, also becomes true, uh, true love of oneself. And harmlessness will in, inevitably and invariably attend that love. So you see, love makes for the love of the transcendent which implies as I said on Saturday night an unreserved an unconditional total giving of one's entire being to transcendence that becomes easy that, that love enables virtue to function rightly and strongly you know the lovely statement we have, love maketh wise. I mean we all know that in the ordinary way in the world, especially, especially this modern world, love does not make what people, the millions call love, it doesn't make them wise, it makes them extraordinarily foolish and stupid and wicked. That's all. Self-seeking, self-indulging, inconsiderate and so on. It's nothing to do with love. These are tremendous illusions and delusions. But when this love of the transcendent just naturally springs up, it will come naturally and spontaneously. You don't have to seek it. 
It is there. It is omnipresent because transcendence is omnipresent. And it's omnipotent not by any compulsion whatsoever, but by the fact that it can wait in terms of eternity till we have expended all that uh, has to perish away in time. So this love makes active virtue possible. Then virtue functions actively, quite naturally, spontaneously. It needs no formulating. It just, it just happens. It gets done. No wastage of words, ideas, plans, thoughts, uh, activities of all sorts, which are in the long run, if you can look sufficiently clearly into them, they are all self-indulgences, self-expressions, that is to say, expressions which limit oneself, cut, cut oneself off from this union with the totality. In this union with the totality, one is not lost. But all this separateness, the isolativeness of one, of the one, is completely out of the picture. It is, it is that wonderful tran, um, consummative, transmutive, transmutative death which takes place of selfness, of the power which divides you from totality. When that goes, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, you cannot, you cannot avoid loving your neighbor as yourself then. It is there, because that has become the natural state. So, virtue makes the possibility of this love of the transcendence emerging, and the love of transcendence makes the possibility for virtue to be active in our life. When that is the case, then creative renewal can take place. All our renewals are procreative. They are according to pattern. They are related to the past, what has gone before. Although the, the, where genius is at work, they point to the future also. But they are only pointers to the future. In creative renewal, in the real sense, there is no relationship with a past. The past is suddenly transformed. This is magic, if you like, in the, in the, in the truest and the grandest sense of the word magic. It's miraculous. You don't have to search for the miraculous. You can if you like, but you'll never find it. It happens. We can stop it happening. We can let it happen. That is our particular responsibility. But this creative renewal means a total newness. Because 
it's 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 a total newness because there has been a complete transformation in one's inner consciousness. A complete changing. And this is something which comes as a climax, as a fruition of human development and human endeavor. Right endeavor, not the wrong sort of endeavor. So, this newness, complete newness of life, here and now, whilst alive, takes place. In actual fact, the entire universal process, from split second to split second, pulsates with this newness of creative renewal, because that is how transcendence functions. The primordial creative energy functions in that way. That energy which we don't know, which remains the unknowable, because it is beyond all that can be realized in terms of us human beings. What can be realized in terms of us human creatures, constituted as we are, is just one octave, one small octave of the total song of life. There are many, many octaves of being like that. And the, 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 and the change is in the change in consciousness itself. That introduces a a completely different thing. It cannot be talked about. What can be talked about, the, our limits end up with uh, the sort of things that the great teachers and the great mystics have produced. It ends up there, you see. But we mustn't think that that is the end, the transcendent itself. It isn't. Be satisfied with the shadows, with the shade, so to say, because it will, otherwise we'd be completely burnt up suddenly with, if transcendence were suddenly to manifest in and through us. The human organism cannot stand that voltage. It's too tremendous. You see, there have been instances where genius has sometimes penetrated through sheer uh, brilliance of perception into such realms. But in such cases, those geniuses have suffered from insanity. So, don't tempt the Lord. That is important. Love. And love not I, the person tr wanting to love or getting at the loved one. Don't. Be quiet. 
let the Lord come to you. Let the beloved, the supreme beloved come to you. You just make a sign that you are willing. Bakis is willing. That is all. And all the rest will happen by itself. Thank you.